0: Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 10, verse 31 through chapter 11, verse 9. These are the sons of Shem by their clans and languages and their territories and nations. These are the clans of Noah's sons according to their lines of descent within their nations. From these the nations spread out over the earth after the flood. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech— As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building This is the word of God.
1: My name is Joshua Kim. uh, It's just a great honor and privilege for me to share God's word with you here at Metro. Uh, This is the church that I call home. It's the place where I've been loved on by a gracious community. It's been a place where I've been ministered to by a group of godly men. I've been invested in by a number of sacrificial people and poured into with such love and grace and. I'm incredibly thankful to have a community who has received me and welcomed me and so graciously, while sharpening me and allowing me to grow in my love for Jesus and my love for people and in always empowering me to live out God's mission. I was talking to a good friend of mine this weekend and he asked me when I first came to Metro about six years ago, um, did I think I would ever come up here preaching? And I looked at him and I chuckled and I said, absolutely not. I said, I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Come to find out, he wanted everything to do with me. So if you're new here at Metro or visiting for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and and worshiping with us today. And if this is your first time at a church or you've been away from a church for a long time, uh, we welcome you with open arms. And we hope that you can find a place where you can call home. I know how difficult it can be to come out of your comfort zone and even enter into a church building. My hope is that you can get to know us better and allow us to get to know you. Uh, So after service, please come talk to me. I would love to hear your story and let you get to know me better. Here at Metro, we have been going through a sermon series called The Blueprint of Redemption. And we are looking at the book of Genesis, which is a narrative within the larger narrative. And we are seeing how God sets out his plan to redeem his people through the saving work of Jesus from the very beginning. In Genesis 11, we come to the narrative that is seemingly misplaced chronologically. In Genesis 10, the previous chapter, the author described the table of nations that were descended from Adam and Noah after the flood. But in Genesis 11... The author took the time to backtrack within the genealogy to tell a specific narrative of a nation that went out to build a city to make a name for themselves and find an identity from their own labor and toil. They had the purpose to acquire an identity apart from God and his command. Today we're going to look and we're going to see the love of God and his graciousness and we're gonna see how God gives a gracious judgment so that we would have a secure identity. What do you find your identity in? Where do you find your value and your worth? Are you rooted in God's mission and the one who commissions us to be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth? There are two points I have for us today, like a good Presbyterian preacher. What is true identity, and how do we get it? First, what is true identity? Let's read verses 1 and 2 again. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. The Tower of Babel begins with the entire world having one common language. And the narrative concludes with the judgment given from God due to the pride and disobedience of his people. And that pride and that disobedience caused a divide in language itself. The author here begins by explaining that the entire world had one language, one speech so that God's creation and his people can communicate. Even when we look back at the beginning of creation, God spoke Creation into existence speech was given to us for good speech was given to us so that we could declare the goodness of God but we'll see from the text that the blessing of language and speech had been corrupted not by God but by us we then see in Genesis 11 that God's people the descendants of Noah were traveling east and whenever the Bible describes a people traveling east The Bible is telling us that the people are moving further away from God, further away from God's presence. When we think back in Genesis 3, in the Garden of Eden, Adam disobeyed God and rebelled against him, and he was kicked out of the Garden. Ever since then, mankind has been trying to work their way back into the Garden. That's why they are traveling east to get back into the Garden. The Garden of Eden represented security, it represented protection. It represented access to God. Therefore, people were always traveling east so they could regain access. The descendants of Noah eventually settled in a plain called Shinar and although it wasn't the garden, there was a sense of security and hope. They found an area where they would be able to build for themselves a city and have a sense of identity while protecting themselves from the dangers of this world. But this actually went against what God commanded his people to do. God's purpose for his people was to be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. But the people disregarded this command. Instead, they sought out to settle and build for themselves rather than be scattered. So we move into verse three and four. And they said, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. The people in Babel completely dismissed the command of God. They sought out to build a city with a tower that reached the heavens. They wanted to gain access to God. They wanted to be in God's presence. But what they were really doing was distancing themselves from God. And because they were setting themselves apart from God, they would eventually take on the judgment of God. They were trying to build a tower that could be related to a temple so that they could make a name for themselves and ultimately have access to God. During this period, a tower or a temple would be the pinnacle of a city. It would be the tallest building of a city. It represented a city that had access to God. And the city was used for the protection to keep outside dangers from coming in. The people of Babel built a city to establish a name and to be recognized. But God gives us a name, and he recognizes us, and yet we still work to build ourselves our own name. Here, the author shows us that God's people are in rebellion, and in the pursuit of building a city, the people of Babel work tirelessly to make bricks, burning them thoroughly to build their tower. That should sound very familiar to us. They are endlessly working, even creating a new technology and in bricks instead of stone to build their tower. They are putting all their energy and all their effort to build the thing that they think will give them access funny how I hear a lot of arguments against the Bible and how it doesn't relate to us today. But here in Genesis 11, we can actually see that God's word speaks very closely to who we are. What are your monuments that you sacrifice for? What is your tower that you build tirelessly so that you can make a name for yourself? So that you could have access When we think about our identity, who we are, where we find purpose, where we find meaning, we can clearly see that we desire to make our names known. And we find security in the things that are unstable and were never meant to give us our identity. We meticulously plan out our lives in details to build our own tower, and to reach the heavens to have access. We're enslaved by the idols of our hearts. And we continue to work and work and build and build. Why? It's so we can have access. We invest our lives in the things that make up our identity, our relationships our money, our careers, our looks. If I have this, then I'll be okay. If I get this degree, I'll be all right. If I make this amount of money, then I'll feel worthy. Then I'll have value. If I can get in with this person or have this person, then I'll have access we're still trying to make it back to the garden on our own. We keep building for ourselves, for our own protection and for our own glory, just like Babel. And when our lives don't go according to plan, the way that we want it to, we feel confused, we feel anxious, we become fearful. We ask ourselves, if God is really for me, then why isn't he giving me what I need? But we confuse the things that we need with the things that we want. As we build our towers and we build our temples, we actually lose ourselves and lose our identity. The things we think will give us an identity actually take away from it. Our true identity is in the fact that we are image bearers of God, that God created us in his image, and we do all that we can to build up our self-image rather than reflecting the perfect one. Instead of living purposeful lives, we live meaningless ones. Instead of being sacrificial, we become consumers. And we become consumed with the very things we think will bring us joy, security, content, and recognition. In verses 3 and 4, we also see a corporate sin, not just an individual one. It reads, and they said to each other, come, let us build ourselves a city. This is community gone wrong. We use that word a lot here at church, and it's needed. But here we see a community of people rebelling against God, not obeying him. And when we think of true community, what is it? We are made in God's image. God himself is true community, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and he created us to reflect his image. And he created us to reflect his image as a community on mission. That's why we desire it innately, because we are made in his image. But the community that we want and are attracted to is the type of community we see here in Genesis 11. We want the thrill of community without the responsibility to it. And in the same way, we want the blessings from God without the commitment to God. That's why we're attracted to people that we benefit from instead of being attracted to people that are costly to us. What are the things that you look for in a community? It will probably be the one that we see here in Genesis 11. We look for people to do something for us in order that they can be something to us. Even the people in your community can be used as a tower in your life. That's why we work so hard to get in with certain people so we can have access to them. And we make people who we look down on work for access to us. In Genesis eleven, a community of people, God's people, dismissed God's command to be fruitful and fill the earth. God did not command us to be gathered and surround ourselves with people that only enable us and affirm us. He commanded us to be to bear fruit and to be on mission for his kingdom. Verse five. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. There is a huge irony in this text. Although these guys, these men, set out to build a tower to reach the heavens, we see something beautiful here. We see God has to come down just to see what they were doing. Here we see that no matter what we do or try to get access, we can't do it on our own. The one we want access to has to come down to us. No matter how hard we work to build the tower, God still has to come down and condescend to even see what we're doing. The things we put our dreams and our hopes in apart from God will never satisfy us and give us what we want. Even our best efforts, we ourselves are never able to gain access and get the recognition that we long for so deeply. God has to come down in order for us to get access. God has to come down in order for us to have true identity. So how do we get that? Verses 6 through 9, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. And confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. This is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world from there. The Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. When God wants something done, he's going to get it done, whether we like it or not. And we see this portion of the text that there was a judgment that passed from God onto his people. God confused the one language that existed in the world, but he did it for a purpose, so that they would be scattered, so that the initial purpose he set out for his people would be fulfilled, so that they would fill the earth. And we see that this judgment actually is given for our good. The people scattered, and God's people were sent out for the purpose they were originally intended for. If we quickly gloss over this part of the text, it's easy to interpret it as God being the cause for the division of language and the separation of nations. You see, it's God that is causing racism and all the ethnic tension in our world. But if we look at the text closely, it's our sin that caused the division of nations. It's our sin that causes racism in our world today. God's judgment actually has beauty to it, even as he split the nations. God's gracious judgment of confusing language and speech and scattering people has beauty. There's a beauty in diversity. There's a beauty in the fact that despite all the differences we may have with other people, whether it's how we speak, how we look, how we talk, the things that we do culturally, the beauty behind all that is that it all comes together based off of the identity that we have in God. It's obvious to see that it's the sinful nature of man that caused this division but it's God's gracious judgment that unified his people. God's initial purpose for his people was to be fruitful, multiply, increase in number, fill the earth. And it was happening because of his gracious judgment. When we move forward to the New Testament in Acts chapter two, we see the Holy Spirit come down at Pentecost. And all the nations that were spread apart came together. And in every tongue, they declared the magnificence of God. But that spirit was only given because of the judgment that was taken on by Jesus. Centuries after the Tower of Babel, God would again pass his judgment for the sins of man. And only this time, he took on the judgment himself. Jesus came down from heaven to earth as the temple. He came down as the one who had access so that he can give access to us. He was the perfect temple, but instead of staying in heaven, he came down. And he came down to earth to become weak, to become human. He was born in the lowest of places. He was born in a manger. And throughout his life, although he was Lord and King, he didn't take from people. He actually gave to people. He scattered himself, teaching about the kingdom, healing the sick, raising the dead. He even challenged and rebuked the oppressors of society while giving dignity to the oppressed. He would reach the unreached and teach about his gospel. But what he did on the cross trumped everything he did on his ministry. On the cross, Jesus gave himself up, and died for the very ones who put them there, you and me. Jesus took on God's judgment and the penalty of sin himself. Jesus came down to earth as the true temple to be torn down so that we can be built up. We are now secured in the identity that he gave up as God's son. And on the cross, Jesus was shut out from God so that we can be brought in. He was completely abandoned so that we can have access. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He gave us a name. He gave us a purpose. He gave us an identity. He gave us access. And on the cross, Jesus completely emptied himself so that we can be filled with his spirit. And now we could be secured in the work that has already been finished. Now that Jesus has given us access, we can be fruitful and have an identity that we've been looking for all our lives. This means we don't have to put our value and our worth and our identity in the things of this world. Are you worried about tomorrow and what tomorrow looks like? Jesus died for that. Are you concerned with your singleness and one day finding the right one? Jesus is the one, and he died for that. Are you worried about your career and your calling in life? Jesus is calling you, and he died for that. Are you paralyzed from your past and the brokenness that exists today? Christ broke for you, and he died for that. Our identity comes from the gospel. Our identity comes from the one who freely gives us one. A few weeks ago, I was uh, in class and, and my professor retold this story from a well-known pastor and uh, it was a great story and it reminded me of, of our identity and how we get it. And uh, he said, one day after we passed away here on earth, will enter the kingdom of God in heaven, and in the kingdom, there will be a filing cabinet, millions of feet wide and millions of feet high. In each cabinet, each drawer, you would pull it out, and there will be a file on everybody who made it into the kingdom with their resume of all the good things that they've done in their lives. So you'll have guys like King David with a real thick file, right? Apostle Paul with a real thick file. Pastor Donnie would have a real thick file, Right? But in that cabinet, you'll see the thief on the cross. And that thief will only have one sheet in that cabinet with three words on there. Jesus, remember me. And everybody who's in the kingdom is stamped with the seal of approval that was given through the blood of Christ. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how hard you work for God. Don't trust in the work that you are doing for God. Trust in the work that he's done for you. Some of us in here have gone to church for a really long time and we got some real thick folders, but you don't got no stamp. Our identity comes from the gospel. Our identity comes in Jesus. And because we have a name and identity in Jesus, we also have a purpose and a mission for him. No matter the differences that we have with other people, we have a common language that comes from the gospel. We can go out on mission and obey what God has commissioned us to do, to be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth, so that every nation and every tongue could come together and worship Jesus And declare his mighty name. Let's pray.